1: Welcome to the Chronicles of Nannia, a nanny resource podcast made for nannies by me, Uh, your host. My name is Martha Reddick, and this week we are going to be talking about The Newborn Baby Blueprint by Dr. Whitney Caceres.
0: Hello. Hello. Hi, thank you for having me. Good job on the name. (laughs) Thank you. I
1: (laughs) I do try. Um,
0: (laughs) Wonderful. Well,
1: thank you so much for being here. Um, I I read your book and I really, really enjoyed it, Um, even though, you know, I've never personally had a baby, but even from a nanny point of view, it was very helpful to me. Um, I'm about to start with some infants. And so it was it was very
0: it was a very good read. Good. Awesome. I'm glad it was. I'm glad it was helpful. Yeah. It feels like it's kind of a little different than what's out there. I mean, that was my goal, right? Because mm-hmm. there's a million baby books out there. Right. Like a million. And yeah. so what when, when I wrote it was two things. One, I see people who come into my office that just are having such a hard time coping mm-hmm. and it when when they're having a baby and it feels like there's this like secret sauce that I need to give them. Like, you know, like here's these things. And then also my sense is that, and I had my kids when I was, you know, over 35. And so I think I'm in the same group. I just feel like we're in a different generation of women for a lot of new moms where like they've just had so much more life experience maybe than their moms did when they had kids or, you know, several generations before that. And so it's like a different need. Like, They can find a lot of the information about gear, but finding information about how to deal with being a new mom, that's like a whole nother level.
1: Yes, I completely agree. And I think that it's also changing um, a lot with what it means to be a new mom um, with every new generation, you know? Yeah. So yeah, before we get kind of more talking about the meat of your book, uh, let's hear a little bit about your background, what led you to write this book, things like that.
0: Sure. So I uh, was a journalism major in college, and so I always knew that I wanted to write. And I actually started out, when I applied to college, I I started out as a biology major, but I knew that I had this kind of dual interest in uh, reaching people through writing and expressing myself through writing and and speaking, but then also learning all of the nitty-gritty, obviously, about the human body and how it works and all of that. And so um, I went to college, was a journalism major, a couple classes short of biology, major two, and then went to medical school at the University of Vermont um, on the East Coast. And then I came back and did a public health degree at Berkeley and then did my residency training at Stanford. and. I feel like it was after I was done with all my training, like, okay, that was a lot of stuff to get through. (laughs) But then I started thinking about, okay, how am I going to actually piece this together? I didn't quite think that through before I (laughs) I embarked on this journey, but that's okay. That's how life goes, right? So, yeah, so I was in practice for seven years um, before I started meeting all these moms. And after I'd already had both of my two kids. And I had a really tough first kid. She was like, like, I felt so confident going into having babies. I Mm -hmm. thought I totally have this. And to be perfectly honest, when I looked at other moms that struggled when they came into my office, I felt a little bit like superior. Like, oh, well, I won't have that experience. I, I'm, I'm sure that (laughs) won't be me because I just have all this information. Um, and then it hit me so hard. Like, Postpartum depression and anxiety. Looking at people in the grocery store with their kids who were five years old, and like just looking at them, like how did you, how did you survive? You know, like how did this, how did this, and so once I got through that with my first, and then had a totally different experience with my second because I had all the support around me, and I had an amazing nanny who helped me a ton. Um, and I just had this different perspective than I felt like I needed to, to kind of share it with, with the world, share it with other moms, help them have an easier experience than I did my first time around.
1: Yeah. I love that so much. Um, because yeah, I mean, like I said before, I certainly, I, I haven't had children, um, yet. Uh, -hmm. and I totally know though from like all of my reading and from being a nanny that it is very different than a lot of times we think it's going to be. And even as nannies, um, one of our guests has talked about a blog post that she wrote, um, that was like, I thought I would be better at this. Um, yeah. Then, and (laughs) you know, like because she had been a nanny for years and years and then she was like, Oh wait, it's totally different when it's your own kid. So, um, so, yeah, for nannies listening out there, I think that there's a lot of valuable information in this book for us as well um, and how we can support m- new moms. Um, so you were talking about how you had a nanny when your second child came along, which is often the way that nannies um, interact with pregnant moms into like those first few months, a lot of times if it's a firstborn, we're not there until month four or so. Right. Um, so yeah, unless you're a doula or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. But so how can a nanny help care for parents who are expecting?
0: So I think the biggest thing is if you're a nanny that has a lot of experience taking care of infants, just – kind of giving that mom that you're working with or taking care of, giving them like reassurance about normal things, right? Because mm-hmm. new moms, that's the thing that they're the most worried about is, oh my gosh, like, is this normal? Is that normal? Blah, blah, blah. Like the the nannies that I see that come into my clinic with, with moms who are really successful with them and the doulas come in and they're like, oh yeah, don't worry. No, totally normal. You're good. You know what I mean? <laughs> like in that way, that's like big sister type thing. Cause that's really, I think, where we can develop a village for people, where we can develop a community for them. In the book, I talk about we don't live in societies where we have like your mom and your sister-in-law and like your aunt and whatnot living with you. And so when you're all alone, you feel really isolated and really scared. But if you can have other people there, even to problem solve with you, like I don't think a nanny has to have all the answers. But even if they can kind of reflect with you and provide like a sense of calm and then have more of like a questioning querying like demeanor about them. So they're like, huh, I oh, I noticed that too. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Huh. I wonder like if those things are connected or I thought about that too. Like that was so helpful to me. Like, oh, you thought about that too? Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like it's not just me. Yeah, yeah. Not just me. Yeah. So I think that's one thing. And then the other is just holding your baby, holding a mom's baby for them. That's mm-hmm. like the simplest act, but even just Doing that in the first few months makes a difference like with you there with the mom there and you're just like holding that baby and taking care of them while mom's in the house so that mom can feel like she can be free again in her own space mm. to be like her former self in yeah. her own space. I think that's, that's,
1: that's really so powerful. That's so interesting because I guess in my brain I would be like I don't want to take the baby away from the mom because – I wouldn't want to, like, step in and um, impose myself at all. But it's so um, freeing as a nanny to hear that that would be helpful because that would also be, you know,
0: something that I would love to do. I love holding babies. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And then the other is, of course, like, if you feel comfortable with babies yourself, encouraging the mom to go do stuff, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like my nanny – the, again, like you said, the first time around, she wasn't there until month three or four, right? And so she helped me, but it was, like, a little different than the second time around. She would say, even at the four-week mark, like, oh, well, you pumped a bottle and we'll figure it out. You should totally just go to the store and, like, sit there and have a, like, lot, like latte or have, like, a tea yeah. or whatever. Like, <laughs> please just go for an hour and we'll be so fine. Like, yeah. it's fine. I'll call you. I have your number. I'll call you. You know, um, that was incredible. I just felt like I got back to myself so much faster because someone offered it because I would have never asked for that. Right. It took someone else offering it.
1: Yeah. Oh, wow. This is great. Um, <laughs> I love hearing all this stuff. Um, Good. Great. So what are some things to uh, expect in the first – few days and weeks, and you talk about this from the point of view of parents a lot, which I think is helpful for nannies. As well, because if we're coming in during the day, (laughs) we also need to know what to expect.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, first few weeks at home, the biggest thing that I think people are thrown off by is this day night switch up that babies have. Mm. So, in the very beginning of a baby's life, they are totally turned around on when it's day and when it's night. So, they think that it's the opposite because during the day, when a mom has been pregnant, She has been lulling her baby to sleep as she kind of walks and sways and is moving her baby. So a lot of times pregnant moms will even say like, oh my gosh, I'm worried my baby isn't kicking or isn't moving as much during the day. Then they slow down and they sit there and they go, oh, okay, great. I can hear my baby. I can Uh feel my baby. I mean, yeah. yeah. But then at night, a lot of times pregnant women will complain because their babies will be like kicking and kind of keeping them up all night. (laughs) So that, so then once the baby comes out, they kind of, it's like they forget they have this amnesia that that's the whole way this has been throughout the whole pregnancy as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have to just remind moms or my nannies too, right, that that's a very normal thing for babies to be very, very sleepy during the day, for you to have to wake them to feed them during the day. And then that at night for you to be like, oh my goodness, what, who is this? Uh-huh. <laughs> who is this child? Who's now a person? So um I encourage parents and nannies in order to mitigate that during the day to keep the baby in more of a um, light area where there's movement, where there's a lot of like talking, where you're not trying to keep super Mm hush-hush. And then to wake the baby every three hours to feed them during the day um, from a pretty young age so that that way – They um, are awake enough to kind of be in the rhythm of, oh, it's daytime, I'm supposed to be awake. You don't need to sit there and stimulate them and like make googly eyes at them (laughs) all day long. But just make sure that you're periodically, at least every three hours, um, waking them up. And that will also help with the feeding to kind of get them going in terms of of that. And then at night you make it really quiet, or sorry, not really quiet, really dark. Mm really kind of cozy for them, have them all swaddled up, have there be kind of a white noise going, so it mimics more of the sound of of the womb. Yes.
1: I still sleep with white noise, and it is a game changer for me. Yes, totally. (laughs) Amen.
0: Yep. Um, Great.
1: So if a a nanny has been hired and will be helping with the first newborn, so they're helping Mm -hmm. get the house ready and things like that, and let's say this nanny – knows his or her stuff and knows, you know, all the gadgets and stuff to get. But what are some things that he or she might not think of to help get the house ready that you would suggest?
0: So I think one of the biggest things is having like a station in the room. So like next to mom's bed to have kind of all the little gear all set up on like a little, um, I had a rolling cart, Mm, like Ikea rolling cart. Yeah. That would have different levels on it. So it would have like diapers and wipes on the middle rack. It would have extra swaddles on the bottom. And then on the top it would have things like maybe a hands-free pump, Um, which could be something that could be really useful for moms because it helps sometimes if they have um, some engorgement that can be helpful. So that's when your breasts are really full, right when your milk is coming in. It can be um, helpful for a number of things. Anyway, so that could be helpful on there. And then maybe like a little nightlight that they can turn on so they can keep the room pretty dark, but they can still see what they're doing for their baby. Um, Burp claws there. Um, Sometimes people will have the little like snot suckers Mm -hmm. um, there on that little deal so that they need it. So kind of everything is at your fingertips um, so that that way you can make it less work for you and then less – kind of jolting for the baby to turn all the lights on and try to find everything and try to figure out where, where things are going. Um, and then the other thing I tell people to invest in, I didn't put this in the book, but I think it's important is, um, to invest in multiple, um, breastfeeding pillows. So I have like a breastfeeding pillow or at least multiple Mm -hmm. cases. (laughs) Like I had a breastfeeding pillow that I would use like, on my couch and then one like in my bed. And sometimes you want to try out even before baby's born, you could try it just on your belly. Like what seems like it's going to be the most comfortable in terms of your, your back. Um, so that that way you're not having a lot of back issues and then, The other thing is finding a nursing chair or a nursing setup that will give you 90 degree angles. So um, like if you're sitting up in a chair that it's 90 degrees at your hips to your knees and then 90 degrees from your knees to your feet. So making sure that you have a chair that has those kind of proportions for you that you feel comfortable. And if not, that you've gotten like a little step stool to make it like that. Because you don't want to be struggling right when your baby comes to kind of figure all that stuff out. That just helps you to like be in good alignment and then make it easier on your back uh, for your babies.
1: Yeah. Those are all – those are both really, really great suggestions. Um, Wonderful. So in your book, you did what I thought was an excellent job of talking about the importance of taking your time and doing your research to find a nanny. Um, And you did it in a way that I actually haven't seen in a lot of baby books before. So I appreciate that. Good. (laughs) But can you speak a little bit more um, from the parent side as to how a nanny can make her or himself more attractive to a family with a newborn?
0: Yes. So, and I will speak from my experience here because I feel like I became like a nanny search yeah. expert. I I was determined to find someone that I felt really comfortable with. I think maybe in part because I'm a pediatrician, I just felt like I understood the value of having someone who was right. really good come into my home. So the number one thing for me when I met people and when I looked at their resumes, I really looked at how professional is this person. And I don't mean like, did they go to Harvard or whatever? I cared I did not care about that at all. But I cared about when they when they wrote like their little essay on care.com or on sittercity.com or whatever. What did it sound like? Did it sound like they actually knew what they were talking about? Were they articulate? Did they have a lot of grammar mistakes? Like I really looked at, at those things. And then I looked to make sure that they said that they had references on request, because I thought that that was really important to be able to make sure that I had people that I could ask to make sure this person would be quality. Um, and then I looked for their actual experience. Um, I think that most people that are looking for a nanny can kind of see through, just like people can do when they're looking at a resume for any other job. They can kind of see through when someone says, like, I have 10 years of experience, but then they look down and it's like all nine and a half of them are taking care of their baby uh-huh. brother. Like, <laughs> like, right? like, there's no problem with that at all. And that's great. And people have to start somewhere but just don't put you have 10 years experience because it's not really true. <laughs> you know? Just say you're starting out and that you're really eager to learn. Um, I think that was like the most important thing to me was experience with a variety of ages. Um, and then the professionalism when I looked just through like resumes or through little blurbs that people mm-hmm. had written about themselves. And then when I met with um, potential nannies, what I was looking for is confidence in certain situations, like knowing when is a situation that is concerning and knowing when a when a situation is not that concerning. So having like a good filter mm-hmm. and feeling confident. So like my nanny, I asked her some specific questions like, oh, well, what would you do do you think if you thought maybe one of my kids had an ear infection? Like, They had a fever and maybe they had a runny nose and they're acting kind of cranky. Like, what would usually be kind of your, like, go-to things that you would do? And she literally literally rattled off within, like, two minutes ten things that she would do, none of which involved, like, calling 911 (laughs) or like, you know, like, like calling like the band to the house or even like hammer calling me at work. Like she's like, so probably I take their temperature and then I'd make sure I gave them like maybe some uh, Tylenol to make sure that they kind of, then I could really see how they're actually doing. And then I would, I would send you a text and say that I thought they weren't doing well. And if they really weren't doing well, I'd probably call you on your cell phone. Like it was just very much in line with what Mm -hmm. I needed. Um, and, and gave me a lot of confidence that then in more serious situations, she would know what to do in those things too. So I think that's important to kind of know like your, your limits of what you feel comfortable with, what you don't feel comfortable with. And then to kind of have a plan in your head about if there was a problem, here's what I would do. Oh, and the other thing she said is a lot of like, what I'd probably do is tell you, this is what I'm planning on doing. Is that okay Mm -hmm. with you? As opposed to saying a lot of like, so what do you want me to right. do? Yes. Which to me that speaks so like volumes about someone's abilities and confidence.
1: Yes. And that um, yeah. ability to take their own initiative. Um, exactly. Is super totally. important because that's one of our jobs <laughs> as nannies. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. With your kids, you're like, there's a million times that I'm sure a day, and I know with my nanny too, that she just has to decide this is the way I'm going right. to do it. Because otherwise, what's, <laughs> what's the point? Then you're what's the constantly word then? <laughs> having to
1: answer questions. So yes, I, I completely agree with all of that. And um, I think those are some really good points. I also might take the clip where you talked about grammatical errors and use it in my tutoring with children. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Because I tell them that all yes. the time. I say, you know, when you're submitting resumes and cover letters and things – This matters, Um, and it will Mm -hmm. keep you from getting hired for a job that you want if you continue to make mistakes and not fix them. Yes. so Absolutely. So hear that, kids? Um, So yeah, and then if a newborn is arriving uh, in a house with an older sibling or siblings, um, how can a nanny help get those older kids prepared for a newborn? And we have a whole episode about this, but I would love your view on it.
0: Yeah. So um, I wrote a whole blog post about this too. So this is kind of taken from that, but I think it's really important and actually something that a lot of people kind of wing, like they wing it, but I think it's actually something to be thoughtful about. Um, So one thing that i think is really cool is having a nanny if it's possible be part of that first hospital visit it doesn't always work out because of just the timing on the weekends or whatever but if it's possible to be part of like bringing the older child like to the hospital and then potentially bringing like a little gift that's for baby. I think that that can be a cool thing because then it's like, oh, welcome to the world, little like brother or sister. Um, And that makes it like this is our whole village, our whole tribe that is welcoming this child. And then the other thing I think is having a nanny do something really special with that child as a celebration, like Mm -hmm. with the older child. So to say like, yay, it's Big Sister Day. This is so exciting for you. We're going to do something amazing today. Like something they would never get to do, right? right? Um, my daughter went to like Nordstrom and bought the most glittery shoes. I was like, have at it. Buy her. <laughs> buy her the most, like, the shoes I would never, ever buy her. Go for right. it, you know. Um, like, that's great that you got something that's from the baby, too, and say your baby brother or sister got this for you and your parents want to make sure that I gave it to you and, like, you know. Um, I think that's an important yeah. thing. Um, yeah, I think the other thing is a nanny can be – Integral in helping uh a second time mom and with having enough time to spend with the older child, right. so if a nanny can hold the baby and like be with the baby and then even say things like, Oh, I'm gonna hold you right now, sweetie, because your mom needs to spend some extra special time with your big sis, like that's amazing, right that helps the kid know the older kid know I'm really special, and in fact, in this moment. I, I'm going to take priority. Yeah. There's other moments that my baby sister or brother's going to, but in this moment I'm taking priority and everybody recognizes uh, that. So I think those are two I things. love that. Yeah. And I
1: love that idea of, um, really creating this, um, united front and this village mentality. I think that that's really special and, and does help, um, the, every child, all of the children in the family feel Mm -hmm. really cared for and like there is going – there's enough
0: room for me
1: left in this family, you know?
0: Right. Yeah. No, all the room hasn't been crowded out, right? And I tell moms to do that same thing, to say – to like use the same language for Mm -hmm. everybody, to say to older brother or older sister and the baby, oh, just one second, I'm helping somebody. Oh, just one second, I'm helping the other person. So it's like all the same. Everybody has to like wait a second to be patient, you know? Uh, Yeah.
1: yeah. and Maybe even use it on a spouse or the nanny. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Love it. Um, Wonderful. So what are some resources besides your awesome book, which let's like really say – The name of it again. It's the Newborn Baby Blueprint Preparing to Care for Your Infant and Yourself. Um, So how can nannies go find this or parents, any parents that are listening – yeah, let's let's
0: start with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's um so it's available on my website modernmommydoc Um, you can get it there as an ebook. Awesome. Um, and then you can also get it, yeah, as a paper book and ebook on um, BarnesandNoble dot and on Amazon Perfect. Um, yeah. yeah, and then I think you're going to ask yeah, about other resources. other resources. Yep. So there are a couple books that I really love. Um, First is the classic um, Happiest Baby on the Block, um, which is Dr. Harvey Karp, who um, really is – kind of, I don't know if the Godfather's the right word, but he's, he's, he's become really yeah. famous um, by talking about these five S's. And so it's like the five S's of soothing a baby and helping them to calm down. And um, if you as a nanny, especially if you you have experience as a nanny, or even if you're a new nanny or like with infants, and then there's a parent who's also a new parent, if you can kind of learn these tricks and techniques, I swear these parents will look at you <laughs> like, whoa, you're a magician. <laughs> um, and I like his book. um, But you can also go on like YouTube or whatever, just search him online and watch videos of him doing the techniques. And I'm a visual learner. And so that actually is an even more effective way, I think, to like make sure you actually understand like exactly how to do the little moves that he talks about. But the books gives lots of background about um, that whole fourth trimester and the day-night switch up and all that stuff. And then um, the other book that I really like in general for nannies, but it has some stuff about infants, is called Zero to mm-hmm. Five. Um, yeah, and it has 70 essential parenting tips, but it work for nannies too, um, based on science. And so it has a lot of stuff about how to build um, – connection with kids like it's about it's all about how to build resilience but it's about how resilience starts even in infancy and so the things that you can do with infants and with older kids to help them um, to be stronger as they grow and it's pretty rad um, honestly when you when you um, read about all the stuff that happens in a baby's brain from the moment they come out and how it can influence them to feel really secure and connected so that's more of like a millennial like bigger picture book but I still think it's
1: Oh, Important. no, I'm like right after we get off this call, I'm going to go
0: <laughs> look at, <laughs> yeah. that at the library. One, <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. And then um, the other one um, that's kind of an older book that people don't know as well, but I like it. It um, It's a book that's written by one of my mentors from Stanford. Um, it's called From First Kicks to First Steps. Mm-hmm. Um, it's by Dr. Alan Green and he has his own website about kid, um, illnesses and he's great. He, um, it's called, uh, drgreen.com and he has tons of stuff on there about like, is this cough okay? Is this rash okay? Like people call in and send him emails and all this stuff. And so lots of stuff about actual like illnesses and sickness on there. That's
1: great. So you better know how to answer those questions of if you thought... The kid had an ear infection. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, so and we, yeah. I guess I should caveat. I by no means wanted my nanny to say like, "Oh, I would give her like a box of two times a day." You know, none of that. I just was like, what "Would you? How much of this an emergency would
1: just strike right, in your heart? Right? right. <laughs> you yeah. <know? laughs> how much are you going to panic if if something's mm-hmm. slightly <laughs> abnormal? Um. Exactly. Yeah. But I also think the more you know, the better you can react. Um. Totally. So, well, those all sound amazing. I've already got a copy of Happiest Baby on the Block, but the other two I'm going to definitely check out um, from my local library because that's how I roll. Um, yeah. Well, is there is there anything else that we
0: didn't talk about? Well, I want to just share – I was going to share a little yeah. story about my oldest daughter. Her name is McKenna, and she um, – she has always been someone, like I said in the beginning, who we called her lemon <laughs> when she was first born because she's like, she's like totally sweet when she was being sweet. But then when it was sour, it was like, it's all over, man. Um, and so I feel like all of us put so much effort into trying to just like make her just survive and be okay, <laughs> you know, like function in the world. And so – it, like this whole tribe mentality thing, village mentality, like I was talking about, um, when she was first learning um, to speak, which she spoke pretty early. So when she was maybe like 15 months old and she, or 15, 18 months, and she was going around and trying to kind of name everybody. And I heard her, um, I heard her when I came home from work, say mom, and I looked and she was not talking to me. She was talking to my nanny like she was looking straight at my nanny and saying mom and I watched my nanny turn bright red in the face and look over at me and be like oh, I'm sure she didn't say mom. I'm sure no I mean she <laughs> meant Katie. I mean you know I'm like <laughs> and so uh, so I'm like okay okay so um I it was funny because then after that what I would notice is that she would say like all of our names all in a string. So she would say like mom, then she'd say my nanny's name, then she'd say my husband's name, then she'd say like dad, then she'd say, she'd like say <laughs> all of it all together. So come out like mom, K, D- dad, D- Scott, you know, like it would be like that. And when I, at first when I heard her say the word mom to my nanny, to be totally honest, I like kind of crushed me for just a second. Cause I'm like, Oh, not because the nanny's doing a bad job, but just because I felt like, Oh, it's because I'm not around and that's the reason. And like all of this. And then when I started thinking about how she was calling us, like, all of our names, all the, all of us, all of our names, um, how really cool that was. That, like, my nanny is this totally integral part of my life who makes my world run, who is, like, the love of my daughter's life in the same way that I'm the love of my daughter's yeah. life. <laughs> but, like... We're like all equal, like little partners holding hands, like singing "Kumbaya" <laughs> around my daughter, like and and that's what she needed. She like in order to move on from being this little lemon cello to more of like a lemon like sorbet type of thing as she got older. Like she just needed all those helping hands around her, and so I'm just so grateful um, for nannies because really they are like the glue to so many oh, families. I
1: so. love that story. Thank you so much for sharing that. That <laughs> yeah. touched my heart. Um, and, and thank you so much for taking time to talk to us. And, uh, this was very informative. I do highly suggest if you're listening, um, to go get a copy of the newborn baby blueprint because it really did highlight a lot of things that I hadn't thought about in that way. You know, even if you're considering yourself a really well-educated nanny, which I think we all are, um, this highlighted things in a different way for me. And I appreciate you writing that. Thank you yeah. so much. Um, and if you are driving currently and you're like, oh, no, I can't write it down. Don't worry. It's in the show notes. Just look below once you're stopped driving. Um, it'll be there for you, a link to uh, to Dr. Whitney's website and uh, to the book. So don't worry about it. We got you. Um, well, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. And thank you all for listening. We'll see you in two weeks. Bye. Chronicles of Nania is produced and hosted by Martha Reddick. Artwork by Noni Amadon. Theme music by Brad Kemp. Find him at secondbedroomstudio.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Chronicles of Nania and on Twitter at Nania Podcast. To contact us, email Chronicles of Nania at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.
0: has been brought to you by Machine Culture.
1: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.